And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. You're here with your host, Crystal Fleming, and I am so, so excited about this week because we have a very, very talented author coming in who not only does her research but makes her books real and us real. I'll try that again. Realistic enough that I just get sweeped into the idea and I'm dying to read these, but my TBR is too big, so I can't wait to share them with you and have her tell me, tell you all about them. And I'm so lucky that she agreed to come on because truly I think she's going to be a superstar and a breakout star. But before we do that, I want to read the advert for Marianne Curley's The Shadow, Time Guardian Book 4. You guys know the drill. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete. But life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds for friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and seeing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Lathena's death, Giselle swears revenge and fullify the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love. And that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And now it is my distinct and absolute unbelievable pleasure to introduce to you Jessica Olson. Now please say I, I actually pronounced that right because I, I sometimes like muck up people's yeah, names. Yeah, you got it right. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> I did that this week, like I had a, an American author on and her name is spelt the British way, but mm. it's not pronounced the British way, so I got oh. all confused. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, you got it right. <laughs> hey, so just tell us about your brand new books because they look stunning. I've not seen covers like this in so long. I just love them. Thank you. Yeah, I love the covers too. I felt very lucky that, you know, my publisher put together such a beautiful um, cover for both of my books. Um, so my most recent book that just came out last month is A Forgery of Roses, which is a young adult fantasy murder mystery. Um, and that one tells the story of a young portrait artist who is blackmailed into doing a magical portrait that is supposed to raise the governor's son from the dead. But mm-hmm. as she goes to the governor's house, um, this big creepy mansion, to try to do the portrait, she soon discovers that the governor's son's death was no accident and the killer is after her next. So it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a gothic fantasy knives out. Um, I like that. And, and it kind of, I, I don't know why, but I got little like twinges of pretty little liars almost. Mm-hmm. Because like <laughs> you think Ali's dead the entire time, but she's not. So I kind of love that feeling of, because you always wondered, I don't know if you saw Pretty Little Liars, but you always wondered if it was Ali that was sort of manipulating them and blackmailing them to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Like, I just love the idea of did Ali like die or was she like manipulating yeah. the strings? Like I, I totally get excited about that. So um, I love that. And what about Sing Me Forgotten? I'd love to like know a bit more about that too. Um, yeah. Sing Me Forgotten was my debut. It came out last year um, and it is a 
young adult fantasy gender swapped Phantom of the Opera retelling. So Ooh, um, I like the us, end of that. Yeah, I love Phantom of the Opera. So I wanted to do a, a retelling but have the Phantom kind of center the story. So the main character is um, her name's Isda, and she is um, she is a certain type of magical being in this world that has a dangerous magic where she can manipulate people's memories through music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so her kind is always killed at birth, but she was saved by this man who owns an opera house. And so he has hidden her away in his opera house since she was a baby. And, um, and she, um, um, so she's hidden away in this opera house her whole life. And yep. she one day hears um, this tenor singing and in his memories, because she can see people's memories when they sing in his memory, she sees glimpses of a girl like her, but living free and out in the open. And she yeah. decides to try to get to know this boy against all of the dangerous odds um, to find out how it would be possible for her to live free. And so it's kind of like a, uh, villain origin story um it's like how did the phantom become so so hurt and so hateful um yeah. so yeah i love this my debut. yeah yeah thanks. and i i love like the idea of that because when i saw your books i was like these are like my best friend's novels like the that she'll love like because her taste was always like she loved phantom of the opera and she loved all these other things that i never kind of i was always like lagging behind her in a way and mm-hmm. she was very much a Monty Python fan and she loved all these kind of, you know, musicals and Disney songs and like that was her whole life. So like it's it's almost like having her but in a book mm-hmm. in a way. That's oh. what I would remind me of. And I, like I even said that to her. I'm like, I'm going to totally get you both for Christmas. And she's like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. And just like she's she. she she works at Optical Express. That's like her whole thing. And she does like glasses and stuff. And she got me my glasses. And I always see now she's kind of made me look like some creepy uh, murder mystery writer for some reason. I think <laughs> so. Like it'll be a good it'll be a good Christmas present for her because she'll she'll find uh, she'll she would just love both those books. And I must admit, it probably will get me more into it. like Sing Me Forgotten is very much like something I could really love and enjoy because mm-hmm. I'm super into YA and I think it's like being my Achilles heel for so long I love YA um and like everyone gives me stick about it because like I'm mm-hmm. 33 and then like mm-hmm. my, my parents are like why are you still reading young adult and I'm like because I like your adult like yeah I you know? honestly think that um I think I read a, a statistic recently that said that like 75 percent of people who read YA are actually adults so yeah. I don't think I think it's actually more adults read YA than actual teens. <laughs> and I think a but, lot of teenagers do sneak the, like the adult ones, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. cause I, I laugh because I was standing in a bookshop and I literally saw this teenage girl trying to appear older than she was because she was wanting to buy a course on her roses. And of course that's an adult book. Mm-hmm. And I think she got away with it. And I was kind of mm-hmm. like, wait, how does that guy not know that she's not over 16? Like, <laughs> I had to stop him and say, you do realize the girl you just sold that book to is not of age? And he's like, no. <laughs> and then he just sort of ran out the store, but it was, it was too late. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's weird because as children, I think we didn't really like care 
almost mm-hmm. like we wanted to read the books because they looked interesting or they sounded interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think back then there wasn't really any of these parental like control over certain books. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I think as children, we edit what we read anyway. And mm-hmm. if it's not interesting, we put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, if only we could keep that going into adulthood. Cause I know mm-hmm. there's been some books I picked up and I've read and then I'm like, why did I read that? <laughs> just a <laughs> random thoughts you know but no i i love i love your books i'm so excited uh just to have yours out and to be able to experience them oh thank you i hope you enjoy them i will and is there like an is there one coming out like another one coming out that you're working on um, i'm currently working about? on one now but it's it hasn't been announced yet or anything so it's, ah. not, it's kind of like a secret project right now so oh awesome because this but will, there be, will out be more <laughs> the first week of September. So, um, yeah. So it's kind of exciting. And maybe there will be something to announce later. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. So we'll just, uh, talk about being a reader for a minute. Cause okay. like all of us as authors are readers and mm-hmm. you know, we have a slight addiction to books, which is why we <sighs> all have public libraries technically in our house. Uh-huh. Um, so what's the book you've read most recently that stuck with you the most that you just can't quite get out your, get out your head? Oh, let's see. I recently read, um, all of us villains. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's written by Amanda Foodie and Christine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it came yeah. out, came out in the fall. Um, and it was basically like a magical hunger games, but with like villainous characters it was just yeah, totally, like that, totally yeah. up my alley. I love morally great characters and villainous characters. Um, and so I really enjoyed that one a lot more than I even expected to. Um, so I'm really excited. I know that the second one, All of Our Demise, comes out this upcoming fall. So I'm looking forward to that one. So do you think you'll reread the first one to get ready for the second one? Uh, I'd like to say that I would, but I probably won't have time to do a reread, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. But I, I definitely want to read the sequel. I really enjoyed it. So if you had time, like time was infinite, like what author would you sit and just like read and enjoy? Or is there like a series? Cause you can have an author in a series or you can have like a series Mm-hmm. and an author like do you know what I mean you don't have to make them both together like you can have an author and, and a series that you can sit and read for like infinite amount of time who would it be and why um well my favorite author I you know I <laughs> you I get asked often who my favorite author is my favorite author is V.E. Schwab um yeah, so, and I I love her books I love they're the only books that I really like reread very like at, at all like, when it's not required for like research or something yeah um, so yeah, I would probably just do a full reread of my favorite everything. Of books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love darker shade of magic. I'm super excited for the new trilogy she's working on for darker shade of magic. Um, I'd reread Addie LaRue a whole bunch of times, you know? Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to get, like getting the trilogy of the darkest, like the new trilogy for the darker mm-hmm. shade of magic, because yeah. my partner, he loved it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think he would just, he want he kind of didn't want it to end and i think mm-hmm. it would be good to have this spinoff for him to sort of enjoy and read yeah yeah that's me too i loved i loved the original trilogy so i'm excited for more because he also read um red moon rising and i couldn't get into it like i tried super hard um but he read it and he just like devoured the entire series mm. so like i'm kind of hoping there'll be a spinoff 
from that that he could kind of get mm-hmm. into that he would enjoy. I think that would yeah. be awesome. Is there an author past and present who influenced and inspired you both for reading and for writing that you would say like you would recommend for people to try or maybe <clears throat> yeah well I mean Victoria Schwab is has definitely influenced my writing because I love I love the way that she writes and so I would love to um yeah. you know be able to write kind of like her someday the kind of characters and the worlds that she does um I also really um enjoyed the Stocking Jack the Ripper series by Carrie Maniscalco. Oh, I love that series. Yeah. yeah, and that definitely, like that vibe definitely um, influenced how I wrote Forgery Roses, which is yeah. often compared to Stocking Jack the Ripper, um, but with magic. Um, <laughs> that's so... an awesome way of, you know, that's a little kind of feather in your cap, I think, because that series <laughs> was amazing. It was a fun series. I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, and then... Um, I think I, I'm influenced by a lot of different authors. I just read a lot um, and widely in YA, especially, but also in adult. Um, And so there are things I think I learn and pick up from every book I read. You know, I read a romance and I, and I, you know, pick up ways to, you know, incorporate banter or, you know, slow burn or whatever in my romantic subplots. And then I read a, uh, you know, a thriller and I, I learned things about pacing and about how to create an ominous mood and things like that. And so I think that there are um, influences from a lot of different authors, but yeah. I think reading and exploring is really important because it helps to broaden your mind, not only as a reader, but as a writer. And I think both are highly important if you want to kind of really dig into writing and understand like how different books are put together and how you know certain things work for certain books and do you know what I mean it's it's a very much like a balancing act mm-hmm. I think in a way and by reading lots of different genres you kind of learn that as you as you go mm-hmm. yeah I think um some new authors make the mistake of just reading only in their genre and you have so yeah. much to learn by reading outside of the genre that you write um exactly. and it like inspires mm-hmm. new ideas because I was writing fantasy but if I only read fantasy I never would have come up with the idea for forgery of roses because I the the idea for forgery of roses came from me wanting to write a fantasy but I've been obsessed with murder mystery thrillers for yeah, the last I'm couple the years and yeah. so I was like I want to write a murder mystery thriller but what if I make it magic so I kind of like mashed up the two genres and I would never have thought to do that if yeah. I hadn't been reading murder mysteries so if there was an author you could sit and talk to for an infinite amount of time who would it be and why oh that's a hard one I did get the chance to um to meet and talk to V. Schwab a few uh-huh. weeks ago she came to my area for like an author event that I was also attending as an author and um so we we chatted for a while she was just so insightful and so um like inspiring um but of course yeah um I'm trying to think if there's any I just love meeting together with a group of authors like this week yeah. um I just attended uh Texas Library Association um, yeah. the conference that is held here in Texas. And I um, and I met up with several different authors who've been flown in for the event. We all went out to dinner and it was just so fun to be able to talk to a few different authors with all different experiences. Yeah. And we were all 
you know, sharing experiences and sharing our thoughts about the industry and things that are happening in the industry and how to become a better writer and things that you can do to improve your craft and things. And I think it's so cool to be able to, um, to discuss, um, Mm -hmm books with people who understand like how books are made and how books become what they are and everything. Yeah, and so I don't know if there's anybody specific, like one author that I'd want to sit and talk to but I love the idea of getting to talk to, you know, a group of authors who are successful at what they do to kind of learn from and, and have a discussion with. I suppose then I could kind of move on and say, well, if you were to put together a fantasy table of authors, so you can pick, maybe four or six of the best authors that you would want to sit and chat with who would it be specifically fantasy no you can have any genre you want um i would probably um i'd probably want to sit and chat with lee bardugo who i'm a huge Uh fan of i loved six of crows and shadow and bone so I'd probably want to talk to her. I'd probably want to talk to um, Suzanne Collins, who wrote The Hunger Games. Yep. Um, I would love to pick her brain about a lot of things. Um, I also really like Scott Lynch. He wrote um, The Lies of Locke Lamora. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of those that book, yep. but um, I really loved those books. So I'd love to pick his brain about like how he like you know put together that whole heist and everything. Yep. Um. Let's see who else would I do. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I would. I'd probably want to invite Ve Schwab. Just, I mean, I haven't met her, but I would love to hear more of about course, her, yeah. her process and her journey. She's just really inspiring it's, to me. It's tough when you put together a fantasy table because it's like, <laughs> oh, the choices, the choices. Yeah, you it know? could be anyone. <laughs> um, because it was so weird. I got. Just recently, I did a podcast with Sarah Humphreys, who's a fantastic fantasy author who just stepped away for a little bit. And she's like, Crystal, we have to do a panel. Like, just (laughs) you and me, and you just invite a couple other people, and we'll just all get together and we'll do a panel. Because she's, like, really good friends with, like, Kelly Armstrong and a couple Mm -hmm. other people. And I was just like, wow, I feel like such an you know, a misfit at that table because I've only indie published. I've never like done mainstream and these guys have all done mainstream. And I was just like, Oh, the view that I would take in would be completely different to theirs. And it was just like, that. she's like, yeah, that's why we need a panel with like you and like these other people on it. And I'm like, okay, like I'll, t- <laughs> you know, I'm up for that, but it's kind of weird, but okay. So yeah, I, I understand that like it's 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 a question I like to just throw at authors because sometimes you get some really awesome answers. Yeah. Is there um is there like a time period in the past or maybe a time period in the future that you would want to go visit? Oh, that's tough. It, I feel like I, whenever I'm working on a book, I would love to go visit whatever time period I'm working on. So I'm the, the same. So yeah. yeah, in the book that in Sing Me Forgotten, that was set in like the late 1800s, like 1890. Yeah. I would have loved to go back when I was writing that book just to be able to like walk around and like get a feel of like what it was like exactly. Cause you can read about it, but it's not the same. Right. It's and, not. No. Yeah. And then, um, a forgery of roses was set a little bit later, like 1910 ish. And I would have loved mm-hmm. to go back and be able to like look at small towns versus big towns and, and, 
you know, because electricity yeah. was starting to be a thing, but it wasn't everywhere yet and, and stuff like that. And it would have been cool to, to look have at. You, and... Have you seen the show Gilded Age? I have not. Oh, you need to check that out. Like that <laughs> is, it's weird. Like I got it recommended to me and I was just like, cause it's a bit down. It's like the American Downton Abbey. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, nah, I don't know. Cause I loved Downton Abbey. Like I think everybody one day came out. <laughs> yeah. they all liked it right mm-hmm. and I, so I was like I was apprehensive and they were talking about railways and like how New York was when it was starting to get electricity and it was you know it had these parks and it was like building Central Park and all this sort of stuff and like they even have it when the Statue of Liberty is starting to get built so like mm. they've got little pieces of it in the park and so I like checked it out and I actually fell in love with it. I thought it was so well done, but it was nothing like Downton Abbey. Absolutely oh, nothing. <laughs> so yeah, I would, I'd highly recommend it. I know it's like weird because like it's a TV show recommendation, not a book recommendation, but I, I genuinely really loved it. And I don't know like if you've tried um, Elizabeth Chatwick and Catherine Cookson is really good for like cluing into period dramas and stuff. I haven't, I haven't tried them. I would have to. Yeah, like, uh, Catherine Cooks is a favorite of mine because I call her my kick up the ass book. Because, like, <laughs> see if I'm having, like, a time where I'm struggling to write. I read one of hers because she was dyslexic and mm-hmm. at a time where dyslexia was, like, considered um hysterical woman thing. Mm-hmm. Then, like, she had these all these awful treatments. But to me, like, the fact she wrote books with depression and dyslexia just amazed me. And she's mm-hmm. put together such a professional piece of work um, that, yeah, I recommend her because it gives you a more kind of everyday average Joe look at things yeah. rather than, you know, the lavish lifestyle or the poverty driven lifestyle. She gives you a very much like, this is how it was. This is how I know it was that, you know, it's mm-hmm. such an, a refreshing thing. And yeah, so like anytime I meet a, a writer that's doing like history or using history and fantasy, I will say it's a really good place for research because you know it's kind of coming from a legit, you know, because she's talked to people of that time frame or she's mm-hmm. grown up in it herself. So yeah, you know, it's it's a name I throw it out there. You know, <laughs> don't have to read her, have but to look into it. So if you were going back in time, would you go back as a writer or would you just be going back as an observer? I'd probably, I'd go as a writer, but to observe, you know, I'd probably like take a notebook and take notes and figure out a way to to take pictures and stuff too. (laughs) I think that would be the hardest part to try and like sneak pictures when everyone was like kind of panicky about witches back then, but that would be pretty awesome. (laughs) Has there ever been a book that you've picked up and you were like, what was I thinking reading this? <laughs> um, I mean, I've definitely had books where I was like, oh, this is a little bit too much for me. Like if it's like yeah. too violent or too scary or whatever. But I don't know that I've, I've, there's ever been a book where I was like, oh, I should not have like picked that up. I don't know. I think as an author, I when I come across a book that I don't enjoy or that I don't like or something like that, I usually try to figure out what's not working about it for me so that I can kind of apply that to my own craft and stuff. So I kind of take it more as a learning experience rather than like, I do that as well, to be honest. And I Mm -hmm. I think, cause I've spoken to some bloggers who are like, 
oh yeah, I picked up such and such. And I thought, oh my God, it doesn't make any sense. Like, as I was saying earlier, like I picked up the dispossessed and I hadn't a clue about it at all. Like it just didn't sync mm-hmm. with me. But instead of like going out and putting an awful review, I, I just, you know, I just said like, this isn't my cup of tea. I didn't understand it. Maybe somebody else does. Maybe somebody else will love it, but it's just not for me. I And that's why I like doing the show is because it's about lifting authors up and not tearing authors down. And it's about yeah. defunking the myths of authors and authors' lives. Mm-hmm. But I also love it because you're allowing people to experience different books. Because like I've yeah. had best-selling crime authors on. I've had best-selling children's novelists on. So it's such a wide range, like even best New York-selling romance authors. So mm-hmm. I love like the vast flow of people that you get on. And it's it's good exposure for everybody because we're all kind of rubbing shoulders together. It's like a mm-hmm. one gigantic, never-ending convention, which mm-hmm. I, I like to think on. it, And it gives also like with people that are still worried about COVID because COVID's still a thing. I think everyone keeps forgetting it, but (laughs) it gives like the readers that opportunity to sit down and just get to know us in a more personal way that they Mm -hmm. wouldn't actually get if we were doing one of these big signings or author events and things like that. So, you know, it's, you know, it's like an hour you can, you can listen to us while washing the dishes or in the car (laughs) or you're waiting for your kids to come out of school. It's nice. You two and a half hours or, an hour and a half and it just you know it's good it's, it's a nice monday break it comes out on a monday so i call <laughs> it my um monday cure for the blues because everyone mm-hmm. hates mondays yeah so i like to i like to think of cheer up mondays a little bit more yeah get a little bit better <laughs> you know we, we, we all have to, to do it somehow <laughs> yeah so writing now we're kind of in that part of you know this is the longest part because Uh everyone has so much experience and different thoughts and opinions so we're kind of getting into the writing portion of of your life Uh how would you go about like how do you prepare yourself mentally and how do you go about creating the darker elements in your story and in your fantasy um so i i mean i think um for me i read a lot in like the kind of vibe that i'm looking for um So I, you know, if I want to write something creepy, I'll try to read like, you know, stuff that has more like horror elements in it or whatever, because it kind of like gets me in that mode of like, like the eerie and the creepy or whatever. Or if I want to write something that has like lots of romance in it, I'll try to focus my reading on things that are like really romantic and sweet or, you know, have, have romantic arcs that I enjoy. Um, so, um, yeah, I think reading for me, it kind of like gets my brain in the headspace. Um, as a mom with like really small children, I can't, I'm kind of limited as far as like location or time of day when I can write or whatever. It's not like I can like go find a, you know, like really aesthetic place to write or whatever, because course, usually yeah. I'm, I'm writing, you know, when my kids are in bed. So I, I, it's not like I can leave them home alone and go write somewhere or something like that. But yeah, um, no, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So, um, but, so I think for me, it's, um, a lot of like reading and trying to get my brain in the right headspace. I know a lot of authors like listen to music or like have white noise or ambient noise or whatever when they write, but I yeah. am the kind of person that needs silence for 
for my writing. So there's been quite a few on this set that uh, I must admit, like for me, if I'm doing a series, I put together a, a playlist, mm-hmm. which is so funny because it's my Spotify is literally full of writers' playlists of, oh, right. you know, this is a playlist for this novel and this novel and this novel. Mm-hmm. And kind of starting to look a bit scary. The long list of uh, different different songs they have out there, but uh-huh. it, it's because because I have just my partner and two cats, I almost have to recreate that kind of feeling with music to get mm. myself into that mode. And I can't write in quiet because I've gotten so used to trying to fall asleep with silence Oh yeah, that I start to fall you asleep. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to fall asleep on my keyboard again. I need to like have the music almost as a way to keep me awake. Yeah, so I can get it down on paper. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I get, I get where you're coming from with that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not easy. And I respect you so much for being able to do that with two small children. It cannot be easy. Yeah, I actually have four. I have four kids. Wow. Okay, yeah. the respect level has just gone like through the ceiling to the skies uh, now. That I, I is my, amazing. I love my kids, but I don't know if I can super recommend trying to juggle a career with that many kids. It's a lot. Well, <laughs> see, it's so funny you say that because I'm actually going to be trying this year for my first and. I'm Congratulations. Just like, yeah, and I'm terrified because I write novels and I write screenplays and I podcast and I'm just like, mm-hmm. my husband was to work and I'm like, oh my God, am I going to be like dependent on my mother-in-law? To be like, here, I need you to take the kid for like four hours because I need to finish this edits or do this novel mm-hmm. or something. And then actually I'll end up doing housework for four hours because it's the only yeah. time I get. Um, so yeah, I am really kind of interested in how this whole juggling act's going to go and like I know when they're really infant sized I can write while they're sleeping mm-hmm. so I'm not too worried about that is when they start walking talking and crawling and they start repeating the things that mom says mm-hmm. I won't be able to read my novel out loud anymore mm-hmm. so <laughs> that's going to be a whole other level of challenge that I think will be interesting and then also hiding the books once uh, they're old enough to read that mom has written <laughs> is going to be the other the other challenge tactic. yeah um yeah so i i really i mean i'm just blown away my i have one friend she's got six kids oh wow and i'm just like amazed you know her house runs on a schedule it's like yeah. an army operation she I'm really sure. is and she's a single mom too <laughs> oh, so i goodness. just can't imagine like how she does it and then I've got another friend of mine she's got quads wow. and I'm like how how do you do it like they're they're all like you know they're all at school now but I remember going to her house and it just looking like a bomb had gone off yeah, my because house looks f- like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, like she, I literally walked in and she had like a diaper over one shoulder, blanket over the other. You know, there was like a diaper hanging off a lampshade, and I'm like, "What the hell happened in here?" And she's like, <laughs> "She's like explosions that you can't even believe." And I was yeah. like, "Okay, that's enough information. <laughs> it's fine." And I used to go over and she actually had a twin sister who also had quads. So there was like eight infants in the house and only two adults. And I'm like, that's so much noise. (laughs) (laughs) Like eight kids out of numbers, two adults. That's a little unfair kind of way. Mm -hmm. But those two girls, like they managed it. And I I am so in awe of them completely. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So what inspires you to pick fantasy for your writing? To, well, to add your 
voice into that genre and into that writing scene? Um, I think for me, just because I love magic, I think magic is so fun to play with and do things with. Um, yeah, I, I start, I didn't start out in fantasy. Like the first stuff that I wrote that's not published and will never be published <laughs> was like contemporary oh, never romance. Say never. Oh, I will say never. They were not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like contemporary romance, like YA contemporary romance kind of stuff. And, um, but that was we just need more I, of that. So yeah. <laughs> but I, I hadn't read any fantasy yet. And when I started reading fantasy, I was just like, whoa, like this is so cool. It's like, you know, magic. And, and yep. so I still, I still enjoy contemporary romance, but I think writing, like, I'm just like really dramatic. And then with fantasy, I feel like you can be really dramatic with like, like the eerie atmosphere so and, and yeah. like your, your limits are just, and your you know, there are no yeah. limits, you know, like you yeah. can just do anything that sounds cool. And it's really fun. I really enjoy that. I really love putting together magic systems. I really enjoy playing with like scenery and, and, you know, atmosphere and stuff. It's just really fun. Yeah, I love that too. And I, I just actually used a phrase from a wrestling friend of mine. So I'm going to have to quickly do an apology. I'm sorry, Keith Lee. I did not mean to steal your catchphrase. Because <laughs> like his catchphrase is, um, I'm limitless. Mm. And it's so weird because I used to say that all the time. Like I'm like, with romance and with like fantasy, you're limitless. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh crap, I can't say that anymore. Because he says it on TV all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you for the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotta love people um so when you create a book is it a movie in your head or is it a jigsaw puzzle that you need to put together um I think it depends on the book certainly with a forgery resistance it was a mystery it was a lot more of a puzzle because I had to make sure yeah. that I was putting in the clues in the right spots and that the, pl- the clues were leading to the right place of course um, yeah so I think I think when I'm writing a mystery kind of plot it is a lot more of like a puzzle um, whereas like with Sing Me Forgotten, it wasn't a mystery. It was more like her journey as a character, like how she yeah. kind of spiraled into um, villainy. And so um, yeah, of that one was a lot more like a, like I was along for the ride and it was kind of like a, a, movie. a movie. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. No, I, that makes total sense. And like, I love like how different everyone's perspective is on just that one question. So it's mm-hmm. kind of awesome. Which character has stayed with you the, the most or the longest in your journey so far? That I have written? Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, there will always be something really special about Isda, the main character of Seeing Me Forgotten, just because that was my debut. And she just came from so many, like, personal experiences in my life and things that I have felt. And, like, yeah, um, and so I think that there will always be a special place in my heart for her. Um, and then also there's a character in A Forgery of Roses, um, Lucy. She's the main character's little sister and she, you know, lives with chronic illness and she is brilliant and she is sweet and she is funny. And she's just one of those characters that like, I just wish I could meet in real life. And, yeah, and, you know, I wish that she were a real person so I could meet her and spend time with her. I just find her power and her kindness and her, you know, her tenacity really inspiring um and so i love yeah. that you did that i love that you took it you know a character with a long-term health illness and you put that in your story as yeah. somebody like i grow up 
grew up with like arthritis I still have it it mm-hmm. doesn't go away yeah I got it at two and a half years old and I mm-hmm. almost felt like alone in a way because mm-hmm. like you're watching all these these films and these shows and I was reading books and none of them had a character that had a long-term health illness they all were at, like when it came to disabilities it was either death blind and that was it like there was no yeah. you know or there was like cancer you know, cancer patients in, in novels, but there was never anybody who had a long-term health illness that was like driving to succeed or driving yeah. just to have a day where the illness was like the most lowest thing on the list that they had to think about. Yeah. You know? It was and really I important to me. Yeah. It was really important to me as I was writing the book to, I, I don't know. So there's a character in A Forge of Roses who lives with pretty severe anxiety. And then there's a character who yeah. has, a gastrointestinal chronic illness. And so they both, they were, it was both, it was really important for me to write both of them and show them as heroic and show them as yeah. like powerful, not in spite of their illness, but like because of their illness. Yeah, And of course, um, yeah. because I think a lot of times, especially in fantasy, you don't get characters with disability or no, illness. Um, and if you do, it's like they're, like the the mental illness is like causing them to be like the villain or something like it's made it's yeah. made to be a bad thing and i really yeah. wanted to show characters where the the illness is just part, it's just another part of who they are like you know like august the character with anxiety he is anxious and he's also a poet and he's also kind and he's also smart yeah. it there's it's just one facet of who he is and it's not something that he needs to overcome or something that he needs to get rid of in order to be valid or be a to be worthy of of love of course, or yeah. anything like that i i just really wanted to show that in a book that like you don't have to be quote unquote healthy in order to be valid and worth telling stories about so i kind of have to ask what was the inspiration behind putting these like behind the sort of long-term health illness is it like because you've got a friend who's had it or you're going through it yourself mm-hmm. is there something that the the readers or the listeners you know can can know that helps them sort of I would say bond more with this idea of mm-hmm. having somebody with long-term health illness as a, as a heroine or as a hero in your books mm-hmm. yeah so um so I live with anxiety. I, you know, that's something that I've been treated for and, and gone to yeah, therapy for, yeah. you know, for a long time. Um, and so that was important to me in writing August's character. He's the love interest in Forgery Roses. And so I wanted to show that people yeah. with, with anxiety can be, you know, attractive and they can be the love interest, you know. Um, yeah, so that was course. important to me personally because because I live with it and I wanted to see that kind of character in a story. Um, because I, at least, especially a fantasy story. Um yeah, and then there's with, just nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, there's not very much out there. Um, and it's starting to be more of a thing, but it's definitely a recent development that people are starting to include characters that are yeah. not, like, able-bodied and perfect according to society's standards of perfect. Yeah, um, of course. But We then, all feel a little bit broken or, or deformed or different. And it's something that I'm, I'm hearing more, which concerns me as teenage kids saying, well, I've got a long-term health condition, so... I'm always going to be broken. I It makes me feel so sad that a kid would think that. Yeah, And I, I think I... by putting that into a fantasy novel, because kids read fantasy more than any other genre, mm-hmm. I think it's almost going to be a sneaky, like, learning by accident approach. 
mm-hmm. which means that you're not tar- you're not putting the kid on the spot and saying, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this person's got disabilities, so you know you got to treat them different. It's almost like you're educating them in a more rounded way, and I like that because so many kids are singled out because they look different or they talk mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. you know. And I think the more we work on that uh, idea of inclusion, the better. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like I was bullied the entire way through school because I had mm-hmm. this, you know, illness that would make me run to the bathroom and be sick, or I would be ghastly pale, or mm-hmm. I would have to go home from school early because I was sick. Mm-hmm. And kids just didn't understand it. And when my teacher sort of singled me out and did kind of like a talk on it, it made it worse, not better. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I got bullied even more because there were kids who were like, well, why is she getting attention? You know what I mean? Yeah. It made it worse. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think that through books, we've got a good opportunity to change kids and make it a less bullying atmosphere and more inclusive about what you like mm-hmm. and sharing your likes rather than about superficial things. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, so to answer your earlier question about like the inspiration or whatever, um, Lucy, the character with the chronic illness in in the book, she's her illness is based on um, the illness that um, my my husband actually has the illness that she has, and so oh, it's right. something that cool. I was able to um, to get his perspective on, and we we had several several rounds of sensitive like you know authenticity readers who were reading to make sure that it was. Um, authentic to what it's like to live with chronic illness and to live specifically with a gastrointestinal chronic illness. Um, But I just, I just felt like it was really important to kind of, to show, you know, some of the fights that, that people have to face when they, when they live with an illness like that, you know, like the, 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 one of the biggest themes in the book is poverty versus wealth and Myra course, and her yeah. sister, the two main characters, like Myra, the main character and her sister, Lucy, they're struggling with poverty. And it's, it's a really dire situation for Lucy because she needs access to medication and she needs access to, to she, healthcare yeah. and they can't afford it. And so I, I was kind of trying to make a little bit of a statement there about how, you know, it, healthcare needs to be something that people can have access to no matter where how much money they make or whatever and um, yeah yeah and then um and then I just and then just the amount of like accessibility like making sure that that people who who have um different um you know physical abilities, whether they can, um you know if they're disabled or if they are ill to Mm -hmm. the point where they can't you know, leave their house very easily or something if they're having a flare or if that's just the way they live because of whatever ailment they, they live with, um, that our world definitely does not, you know, it's it's not not, a very, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not, um, accessible. It's not, um, yeah. I mean, people just don't make, the world easy to maneuver in if you are not no, it doesn't. exactly yeah. the way that yeah. you know all of the able-bodied people are or whatever so anyway so there were a lot of different themes that I wanted to explore a little bit you know because I have very close and important personal. people in my life yeah. and personal experience with 
with those yeah. things. And like, I personally have like a visual disability and, and, you know, was bullied for that growing up and everything. And so that's something that, that is near and dear to my heart as well. So see, I love what you were talking about because I know in the States is really bad when it comes mm-hmm. to healthcare and disability and the fact it's not very accessible. Mm-hmm. Like I find myself so lucky because I have had arthritis my entire life and I've seen myself spend six months in hospital mm-hmm. because I have to get specialized treatment and specialized surgeries and specialized medications. I would hate to think how much it costs in the U S I would mm-hmm. probably have a heart attack. <laughs> um, but yeah, like here in the UK, every, you know, medical wise we're completely covered. Nothing on the NHS you get charged for. And I feel so grateful for that. And in Scotland, you get your medication for free if you earn under a certain amount. And to me, that makes it accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. But you are right. There is like, I've had times where I'd be wheelchair bound and I can't get into a building because they don't have a ramp or they don't, you know, yeah. it's not accessible. And I think even though here it's law now for all buildings have disability access, it's still taking time for that to be implemented. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to see the change and see mm-hmm. like how as a society, we're having a different opinion on everything, but I still think we're slightly lagging behind where we should be. Yeah. And for sure, you know, COVID was a great wake up and a reminder of that because I went from being considered a normal person to them being high risk. And it was like a huge change because, okay, now I'm locked in my house I actually got that scared. I wouldn't go in the garden in case somebody drove by that had it or walked Mm -hmm. by because it wasn't like very clear information I was getting. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it opened my eyes a lot. Did did you find that COVID had that kind of impact for you that it maybe changed the way that you looked at things and the way you did things? Um, Well, I know that I certainly was a lot more worried about, you know, it just... For me personally, because I have loved ones and close family who are immunocompromised, it was, um, it was, it was scary because it was like, it seems like people don't care about the Mm -hmm. people who are immunocompromised, like as if they don't matter, but they totally do matter. Like they're people's husbands and their daughters and their, you know, you know, siblings and best friends and teachers. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they're the people they, I mean, so many people in our world have, you know, different, you know, health situations. And, you know, you, you can't tell by looking at someone, you know, there's so many things that are invisible to the eye and Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. I think that COVID has definitely. Educated us a little bit more. Hopefully (laughs) some of us anyway. (laughs) I like to think, I like to think that, that it's educated people because I'm immunocompromised. Um, and I didn't like, I always, I know this sounds awful, but I always used to make a joke and say, yeah, I can't get, you know, I can't get sepsis. What's sepsis? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I got it and I was like, oh, okay, then this is a legit <laughs> thing. And I should have been paying more attention. Why did I not pay more attention? I mean, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I was so worried about COVID. I totally forgot about, you know, being a high risk for sepsis and understanding that you know that's a thing and you can't just like pretend it's not there because it isn't yeah. there and like I felt like COVID kind of educated me on that but it also educated me on you can't keep like I was pushing my body super hard mm-hmm. and I learned I can't do that I need to be more understanding of what 
my limitations are right. and understanding of like my partner is my full-time care and I feel bad for him because you know it had it's hard it was really hard on him because it was like I wasn't going out with friends and I wasn't going anywhere but hospitals and it was hard because he couldn't come in and see me in hospital because of the rules and you know it yeah. had such a huge impact on us and I actually spent my birthday last year on my own in the in the ward and the nurses felt so bad for me they brought in a birthday cake which I couldn't eat because I had like the I had screws and wires to keep my jaw together and I was just like that's sad because I want to eat my birthday cake and you left it sitting in front of me and I can't even smoosh it up and eat it because I can't open my mouth oh I'm sorry so it, it did suck a little bit but I it made me stronger you know, mm-hmm. I went through two jaw joint replacements in the last two years, and it has made me super, like, super strong and, like, more determined. And I don't take life for granted as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to always think, oh, I've got plenty of time. I'm only 30. And, you know, like, I, it made me very much more appreciative of my life. And, yeah, you know, life's not infinite. And, you know, we need to appreciate every time, every moment that we have and every minute that we get. So, yeah. Right. Is there a character that you wish you could write more about? Like you could go back and maybe give them their own book or their own series or continue a series on? Um, I would love. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a. Oh, don't I would worry love, about it. That's why I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I in Forgery of Roses. There, I have so many stories I would love to explore. Um, I would love to, you know, maybe someday write, you know, the next mystery that they all solve, and I would love to include some of the characters that were more on the sides as more main, you know, in the, in the plot and the story and stuff. Um, Yeah. I think that's, that's the one. If I were to do some kind of like spinoff or sequel or something, it would probably be for forgery roses. And is that because she stuck with you the longest or is that because you feel like those are the better characters to run with? I just think it would, I just think it would be really fun. Um, Yeah. Just because I really enjoyed the mystery and that I really enjoyed yeah. the magic system of the world that was in a forgery of roses. And so um, I would just love to play with it some more, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get that. Is there been like a technique that you've found most helpful in your career so far? And is there one that you've just thought, why the hell did I try that? <laughs> so for me I was surprised to learn that I'm actually an outliner for a long time I would just mm-hmm. write by the seat of my pants and just write whatever yep. came to my head and experience the story that way and I learned that for me personally you know I never wanted to write an outline because it felt like a drag it felt like it took the fun out of it it felt like homework um, yep, I then, did too mm-hmm. <laughs> but then when I was working on Sing Me Forgotten and I and I had written a whole first draft and it was a mess. And, you know, I, you know, had, I finally got out, save the cat, writes a novel or whatever it was at the time. Yep. I think save the cat writes a novel was out yet. I think it was just the regular save the cat, like screenwriter mm-hmm. version. But I read that and I was like, you know what, I could try this. And I put together a beat sheet and then I did a complete rewrite and the book was so much better, like just yeah. so much better. And I realized, and it was so much easier for me to write because I knew because I'd already was like outlined what mm-hmm. happened in the book. And so I just, I was able to just go. And especially as a mom with small children, when I don't have a lot of writing time, time yeah. it made my writing time so much more efficient because I didn't spend the time trying to figure out what happened next. I would just look at my outline and say, oh, that's what happens next. And then I'd write it. And so it, 
for me, it was a huge game changer. It made my books come out much faster. They came out cleaner. They came out like a lot more sensical. <laughs> and yeah, um, so now I, you know, I outline every book that I write now and it has kind of been a huge game changer for me. So that's one thing that helped me. Um, and then to finish the other end of the question of something that I tried that didn't work for me. Um, so I've heard a lot of people say that if you're a writer, write every day. And for me, yeah. that ended up just making me feel really, really, really stressed. And it made me feel like mm -hmm. a failure because for me, yep. it's just not possible to write every day when, especially, you know, there's just different times in our lives. And like, there've been times when I was, you know, I have really hard pregnancies and I, and it gets really to of the course, point where yeah. I, I can't. I can't do much more than function, you know, and yeah. writing was just out of the question or when I have a new baby and I'm not sleeping at night, you know, because I'm the baby all night long. And so yeah. there have been times in my life where I felt so guilty that I wasn't writing. And now I have kind of got come to the terms with the fact that like there are phases in your life that are for writing and there are phases in your life that are for not writing, <laughs> you know, like exactly. It, no, it, I, get it, 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 I get it. I get it. Yeah not writing every day doesn't make you less of a writer. In fact, See, it, like, I, I went, I went through that too, where I was on so much painkillers. I was barely functioning. Like I was right. barely able to get through the day. Um, I was going through a really bad spell with my arthritis. And up to that point I had written every day and I had edited every day and I had, you know, I used to write on a ward. Like I could mm -hmm. be in a busy ward, open air ward with, you know, eight beds on it. And I was the kind of person that when everyone else was napping, I was writing. And then I got that guilt too, where I wasn't able to, I was physically falling asleep at random. I was, I was awfully sick. And then I just wasn't able to keep up and I wasn't able to do it. And the guilt just totally ate me up. And mm -hmm. it was my husband sat me down and he's like, what are you doing? Like, you're feeling guilty about not keeping the house and you're feeling guilty about this. And you're feeling guilty about that. He's like, seriously, you have no reason to feel guilty. You've come through hell and guess what? You're still standing here. Like be mm -hmm. proud of that. Be proud of yourself. And yep. it, it was such a relief to get that feeling of off my chest. Like, cause I deal with anxiety. I have PTSD mm -hmm. and I have a depression with seasonal depression. So like, mm -hmm. cause I don't get enough sun. And he's like, you deal with all that, you deal with arthritis, and you then then you deal with the gastric issue. He's like, you're sometimes superwoman, but you're you don't give yourself enough credit for that. And I adore that he sort of took me aside and took took away that guilt and that shame and just sort of made writing feel like fun again, like it right. was when I first started. And you know, I think we all go through that. I think it's a phase that all writers go through where we feel like we're letting down the readers or we're letting down the fans. Yeah. So it's good. It's really good. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you've gone through that and you've come out the other side. And yeah, I mean, I definitely do still feel guilty when I'm, you know, I look at other people and they're accomplishing so much more or, you know, so-and-so wrote this many words today and I didn't write any or whatever. But I think um, it's just really important to recognize that we're on our own journey and nobody's journey is going to like anybody else's it's journey. It's not a race. And, yeah. Yeah. I think so. it's amazing that you have four young kids you are stunning and you have an amazing voice. That is what you should be <laughs> You've already achieved it. Like if you were to climb to the mountaintop, you're already there. Like you're oh, at what you. <laughs> everybody should be aspiring to in that regard, because you've, you've followed your own dreams. It's obvious that that was your dreams and you've done it. And 
you're not only just doing that, but you're taking care of your husband too. And that just shows just how utterly amazing and self, you know, self-dedication you have to it and to your partner. So Thank you've you. got a lot to lot to feel proud of and it's amazing to have you on the show. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. So moving into your life, now this is where we get to know you as Jessica and not Jessica mm-hmm. the author. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing you do when you want to de-stress from editing and writing? Um, take a nap. <laughs> no. Oh, I know um, that feeling. I love that one. Took a nap. I wish I, I could love, nap though. Yeah, I, I have a hard time napping too. I wish that, or for me, I guess the thing that I that I do is I'll go like just watch crappy TV or like, no, it doesn't even have to be crappy TV. Just like I'll find something on Netflix or something. And I really like getting into a show where like, I just like get to Sucked where I just in. like love yeah. a character and I'm just like, can't wait to find out what happens next to them or if those two people get together or whatever. And is it like the, when, when you say crappy TV, are you mean like crappy reality shows or you mean in like Riverdale kind of stuff? I just mean like the type of stuff that just feels like like I'm not learning anything from it I'm not like it's not like yeah. I'm watching like you know highbrow like stuff like I'm just watching fun tv that doesn't just require energy yeah, yeah. it's just entertainment yeah. so and, have, and you, I think, have you checked out sunset um selling sunset yet I have not oh you have to you, t- you want to <laughs> talk about just lose yourself in a series that mm-hmm. is it you you go through such a roller coaster with the characters and the characters mm-hmm. it, okay yeah it's reality tv so some of it's staged but yeah to me it's like it was so easy because my way of distressing is i get my my sewing or cross stitch or whatever i'm doing mm-hmm. i turn that on i sit back and i just so and I just listen to it and it's just funny a lot of the drama is just hilarious to me but there is some stunning houses in it like you mm. just can get almost get lost in this whole fantasy world that they sell mm-hmm. and I just think it's great and there's not many shows that you can just turn on and just get lost in like I'll yeah. I'll watch Bridgerton and get lost in Bridgerton mm-hmm. or like there's a number of shows but I I kind of get lost in wrestling a lot. And I think that's Mm -hmm. because I have a lot of friends that wrestle. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, that was how I created my craft. That's how I learned. I started off as a wrestling writer. So like I created all these characters for wrestlers, but then I had to convince these burly six foot two heavy set guys to say, Hey, my character that, okay, it's your character, but I wrote the storyline and this is why you need to do this tonight please, please, please go away and perform it because <laughs> it's worth it. Like, but it taught me deep character point of view. And I know like there's so many authors that struggle with that. And there's so many authors that have to go away and learn it. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like a crash course. And then when I transferred over to novels, it was easier because I had more time. I didn't have like eight minutes to tell a story over six weeks. I had like, thousands of pages that I could just pour these stories into and I loved it and I think I wouldn't be like as good a writer as I am now if I hadn't done the training it was a very sexist world though yeah and I had to like learn to have a tough skin yeah um but I was super lucky that I I experienced that and I went through that um but yeah like if you ever 
you know, sometimes it's good because wrestling, if you can watch like a show, if you've got little boys, it's fantastic because you can put it mm-hmm. on and they get totally transfixed in it. Mm-hmm. But it's good for the writer too because it's it's good to you can actually learn as you're watching it like deep points of views on how these people are telling a story over like three four weeks and you're learning about those characters those villains in a totally new way mm-hmm. and how these characters are always 3d you know there's always like a reason behind things they're doing or there's a reason behind the fights and the matches and i love trying to work all that out and I, I think that's what made me a wrestling fan. It wasn't for the wrestling itself. It was for the stories. So I always I always recommend it. Like, even if you don't like it, try it once and see what it's, do you know what I mean, and experience it. Just yeah, like, I'll have to look into it. From it. Yeah, I recommend AEW because that one's got a lot of kick-ass females in it. Um, <laughs> awesome. We all, we all want to watch something with kick-ass females in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what hobbies do you enjoy and which ones do you wish you had more time to explore? Um, I did a lot of music before writing and like yeah. community theater. I really enjoy that. So, like, if I, I love that too, yeah. yeah. If I had time, I would I would go do more community theater and I would do more music. Oh, those are awesome choices, by the way. I love that. Thank you. Um, so, are you a crafter? And if not. What are the other ways that you clear your mind when you're trying to like turn your head off and go to sleep at the end of the day? Um, I I'm not like a like you know really crafty. Yeah, I'm not super crafty. I like to like I like art. Like I I like to yeah. draw and sketch and, and stuff like that. I don't get. To I do would it call very that often. crafty. I would I call that so. crafty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to do it very often just because having those kids. kinds of things around kids get into yeah. it and stuff but I do enjoy that stuff and once my kids are older and they're not so into like coloring on the walls I'll probably do more of it but <laughs> oh um, I remember those days yeah <laughs> so but yeah um I like to do I like to do art I like to I you know I really like looking at people's art too and, and stuff so. I think I think art's great because it's such a good expression of yourself mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm not a great drawer I don't draw well and I don't paint well, but my grandfather was a professional painter. Um, He was an artist and sold his paintings, but he also was an architect and he was an electrician. So he wore like many, many hats. And then my, my grandmother was a professional knitter from eight years old. So she actually, yeah. And she sold jumpers and she designed jumpers and patents. And um, I always felt like I came from really, kind of talented people and then there was me who was kind of like a little bit talented at everything and then I became a writer and a podcaster and kind of broke the mold a little bit for everybody but yeah no I think I I think it's a great way to just keep your anxiety levels down and for me like it was the one way I could control mine like my PTSD triggers whenever I go to hospital and it's like the worst because it just totally makes you unable to do anything you can't breathe you can't you know you're not really paying attention and you're walking into things and you're you're making an ass of yourself essentially um so one of the things that my husband taught me is like well if you can't read a book because your dyslexia kicks off with your ptsd why don't you take some of this crafting stuff with you and craft and it saves my neck a lot of the time because you have to focus on where you're sticking the needle if you're sewing because otherwise you stop yourself repeatedly 
<laughs> not worth it. Trust me, really not worth it. So I, I, I kind of loved it in the way that if I couldn't read, I always had my sewing. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a great, it's a great way, and it clears your mind. And sometimes it actually helps me solve a lot of my, my uh, writing issues. So, yeah. cool. so I myself have a long-term health illness called idiopathic rheumatoid arthritis. And no, I'm not calling myself an idiot. It's just the terminology. I wish they would come up with a better name. Honestly, I really would. Um, but yes, they don't. So what? So that makes me slow down and appreciate the day and smell the roses and spend time with family. What is the thing that makes you sort of slow down and appreciate the day and smell the roses? Uh, I think having little children that appreciate like the magic of a stick. You know, it's like, yeah. I found a stick, mom. And it can be like a magic wand or a sword and... You know, like they just have such imagination and like being surrounded by kids all the time. Um, it yeah. does make things quite hectic, but it also does make you pause and enjoy like the beautiful things and like the little moments. I love especially, that, yeah. yeah, especially when they're because they're so young for such a short amount of time. Like it feels like mm-hmm. forever, but also like you know the newborn phase goes by so fast. And so you know, especially with my last baby, he's like nine months now. But when he was a newborn, um. I knew he was, you know, he was likely to be my last baby. And so I just, just like had to pause and just like hold him hold and know him, that like, yeah. you know, just like yeah. force myself to stay in the moment because I knew that I wasn't going to get another moment like this, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. And so I think, I think for me, having kids just helps me to take a step back and be like, this is a memory that I will cherish for the rest of my life. And I want to make sure I'm present in it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I love that. And memories is, is super important, especially when we're going through like the rougher times. Mm-hmm. So favorite place to curl up during the day. Is it like the garden, a cafe, reader's nook, library? Where do I you just, go? Just read. I like to just like curl up on the couch with a big comfy blankie. <laughs> I'm like the same. That's so cool. Yeah. I just like staying. I like to stay home because I like to be in like my comfy pants and like, yep. Like, you know, I don't want to have to like put on jeans or something. And, and it's there's like nothing this, worse. There really yeah. isn't anything worse. No. Especially now that we've lived through the pandemic. I'm like, oh, pants are the worst. Like, I just want to wear sweats for the rest of my life. Or summer but, dresses. And then you uh-huh. realize your legs are cold and then you haven't yeah. shaved your knees for like a week. And yeah. I yeah. Know, I'm, I'm yeah. over it. I like the pandemic clothes where it's casual lounge, I think they call it. Now. Mm-hmm. And they're so soft and fuzzy and you don't get cold and you don't get uncomfortable and everything's stretchy. And yeah, no, I'm yeah. with you there. Mm-hmm. Totally with you there. Um, I literally bought like so many pajamas like during the pandemic because my pajamas were getting used so much that they shrunk. Mm. So yeah, I totally love that. And so, like, I'm, I'm, looking very smart today because i'm podcasting but that's the only time i put on a jumper and a t-shirt otherwise i'm yeah. like in the and i had my in-laws here today so i'm like in pajamas and i'm comfy and they're fluffy and they're quilted and yeah yeah no, i'm with you i love that i love that so now we're on to the word game okay which is a lot of fun so we're going to do are we doing word association with books or are we doing just word association? Let's just do general word association. My brain's falling a Sounds little fried. <laughs> oh no! Don't worry. I, I, I've been, I've been editing today. If you cannot tell by the sort of drained face, <laughs> I don't like editing because dyslexia is makes it like three times harder almost I'm than it sure. should be. 
and Mm -hmm. it just you just you get like 15 pages in and then you're like somebody just shoot me because this is (laughs) awful yeah so i i hate it i hate editing i wish i could just like send my stuff to an editor and i only have to do it once you know yeah uh, but I don't. I have to like because I have a free freelance editor for all my stuff, and I have mm-hmm. to send it there, and then it has to go to the publishing house, and then I have to go through it with the publishing house. Um, yeah. So it's like, oh, just want to do it once, just once. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your first word is chocolate. Uh, peanut butter. <laughs> okay, that I was not expecting that one. I love chocolate and peanut butter together, like as a combo. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Caramel. Um, Emmerich. He's the main character, the main love interest in Sing Me Forgotten, and he makes caramels. So. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like that. Do you know what Butterfingers are? Yes, I do. Oh, thank goodness. There's like, I've done this with one other person, and I did like a kind of sweetie theme with them too. They had no idea what Butterfingers was. And I was just like, oh, how do you explain this? Like, I'm trying to explain it on the podcast. I totally think I screwed it up. But yeah, Yeah. I'm so grateful. So what do you think when you think Butterfingers? Um, I think of Halloween, getting them out of my my candy bag when I was little. I like that. What about custard creams? Do you know what those are? Um, I don't think so. Is that something that is in the UK? It's a British... Yeah, it's a British biscuit. Essentially, it's like a plain kind of biscuit with like a custard That sounds delicious. (laughs) And then there's like another plain biscuit on the bottom. So it looks like a little mini sandwich. And you dip it in your tea usually. And it makes it go all soggy. Uh, Yeah, they're amazing. It's the first biscuit I got when I visited Ian's mom for the first time. And I met Mm -hmm. her for the first time. And I hate. I didn't want to tell her I hated custard cream. Oh no! <laughs> so I had it, and then like for like three or four Christmases, I got custard creams every year, and then I had to tell her it was like because I couldn't like keep stashing them in a cupboard. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, all those years you bought me because I, I don't like custard creams. <laughs> so I felt so That's guilty. So funny. But yeah, that yeah, I I always think of that when I when I do that. Um. So what do you think when you hear it now that you kind of know a little bit more about it? Oh, I don't know. It sounds like some, like something that you'd eat like on the afternoon outside. So I feel like I think I'd think of like a picnic or like a afternoon, like in the kitchen, looking out the window at the sun or something like that. I love that. Okay. What about (laughs) cheesecake? Oh, I love cheesecake. Um, That just makes me think of anniversaries. (laughs) I feel like that's a thing that, like me and my husband always get cheesecake whenever there's a special occasion. So I think I'd think of like anniversary. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good tradition. Uh, yes, cookies. I love cheesecake. Cookies. Um, I think of cookie dough. <laughs> I love cookie dough. Oh, I love cookie dough too. That is so. Yeah. Oh, there is so few people I know that love it. So like, anytime I meet somebody that loves YA and loves cookie dough. I just want to hug them and like never let them go because I'm like, oh, there's so few of us in the world. Yeah. So yeah, you've yeah, you're kind of like you're overtaking all my favorite <laughs> authors right now. Just just with these Hooray. answers. Okay, what about swirls? Oh. Have you ever heard of like of venison swirls? They're like these tiny, cute little biscuits that look like swirls. I have not heard of those. Is that another British thing? A Europe European actually European. Um, it's one to Google because they're super awesome biscuits and kids to. love them. 
-hmm. and you can make them and they take like a quarter of the time cookies do to make. Mm. Um, So yeah, I always think of like posh tea almost when I hear Mm, them. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that. Sure. Yeah. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Ooh, I think of snickerdoodles. Have you heard of snickerdoodle cookies? Oh yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. And that's part of the reason I want to visit Texas just for snickerdoodles. <laughs> They're I know good. it sounds weird, but growing up, like I grew up in a Viking culture. Mm-hmm. But I grew up and I was the girl that wanted a Dodge Ram pickup truck. My shot. I wanted to have a shotgun that I could mm. keep in the top of my truck. And I loved horse riding. And I rode a lot of horses. And I wear a lot of cowboy boots. Mm. And I'm like, I think I was born in the wrong country and <laughs> probably in the wrong state. Because yeah. like everyone around me is all wearing like these, you know, brand new designer fashions. And I'm walking in with like, you know, jeans. I was too small for Levi jeans. I was too skinny for Levi jeans, but I had these like jeans and then I'd have cowboy boots on. And then I'd always have like some sort of funky band t-shirt, like country mm-hmm. western t-shirt. And then like a weird jumper over the top. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh my God, you're so Americanized. I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to be from Texas. Like I was like Texas proud when I was That's like funny. That's So cute. my dad, my dad and hubby say that I'm uh, a closeted American. That's like funny. I'm Scottish, but I want to be like American. So mm-hmm. at least I make people laugh with that one. That <laughs> so what about coffee? Uh, I think of really early mornings. I think of addiction. <laughs> Cause like, I, I'm honestly, I've had coffee since I was like three. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> my mom used to give it to me to make me fall asleep, mm-hmm. which I've never That's really funny. Out. I've never yeah, heard of like, that I was like, how does that work, mom? And she's opposite. like, well, yeah, it's like she would put a tiny bit of coffee in it and like three sugars and she'd mix it up with like lots and lots and lots of milk. So it was like, mm-hmm. they call it baby tea here. And mm-hmm. then they would like put it, she would put it in a bottle and she would stick it in the crib next to me and I would just start roll over and cuddle it because it was warm. Mm-hmm. And I would drink it and I'd fall asleep. And she's like, you've had coffee since you were three. And I was like, oh, so no wonder I could never (laughs) sleep when I got to like eight and nine because I was like addicted. Thanks, mom. But yeah, I always, I, that's my way. So is there like something exciting you want to tell the fans before we go or Um, anything you can share with us? um, I don't think so. I, I mean, there is, I mean, if everybody likes Forgery of Roses, I ha- they have, um, I don't know if you've heard of Owl Crate. They did a special edition version. <gasps> oh, and, that is and, so pretty. Yeah. And nobody can see this because it's <laughs> on an audio. But I am telling you guys, the roses and the white and black colors on this book is so diverse. Everybody, please go over to Owl Cart mm-hmm. now and just like buy, 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 yeah. buy, buy, buy. They've got the, I love it's got that. like stained edges and it's got oh, like, it's so um, pretty. It's got like stamping on the hardcover and art on the on the inside of the dust so jacket. This, how accurate is the art for your novel? It's pretty good. I don't know if they had the artist read the book or if they just told her if somebody who'd read it told yeah. her, but it, it, it's pretty accurate. So anyway, See, like, so yeah. I always wondered that. Like I used to get fairy loot. Um, mm, I guess yeah. like fairy loot's the 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 British version of Valkyrie. I yeah, don't know. Pretty much and, kind of, yeah. 
I always was like sitting thinking, I was like, I wonder how accurate to the author's way, like, because we all put our Mm -hmm. own version of the book in our minds. But I was like, how accurate is it to the author's vision? Are these like things done? So I kind of always wanted to ask an author, but I never had an author that's done very loot or I'll create and that's been on. So that's Mm -hmm. really awesome that I can ask you and be like, so what did you think? Did you get like it in the box and everything or? Yeah, they sent me one of the boxes, but um, I had seen what their plans were for the cover and like the art. Um, I I got to see that early, you know, just via email. Yeah. And when I saw it in the email, I, my jaw just dropped because it's just so pretty. So, yeah, oh, it's available to purchase on their website now. So, yeah, um, well, so, that's yeah. great because this this will come out in September. So hopefully they'll all be sold by then. <laughs> we'll but, see. Um, yeah, it's great and. Honestly, see you for your next release. Please message me back and I'll have you on. It's been that would be great. a super honor. And I would love if you're you're willing, I would love to advertise for your roses and sing if you want on here every week from September on if you're you're interested. Oh wow, yeah, that would be amazing. Cool. Um so I'll get you to send over the blurb or if you've got like a short line or two you want me to say about it and I'll mm-hmm. I'll include it on every podcast because I, I believe in holding up authors that truly are changing the world and inspiring it. And mm-hmm. I think you're definitely ahead of the curve on that. And you're oh, certainly thank you very much. that I'm super proud to have involved with this and, and that. So, um, so just a reminder to the listeners, please follow us on Spotify um, or Google plays or audio audible, sorry, or whatever it is that you're using to listen to this as every follower helps to keep this podcast going. And uh, make sure you stop by next time to hear more about what's going on with the Book of Life podcast. And you never know who could be stopping by next time.